lights on. How the fuck you cry with the mic on? I don't get anxiety, you Sam Bowie ass niggas. I just get my mic on. Y'all said I wouldn't go nowhere. I took the detour. When you see the sun on the crack, walk by the seashore. When you see them brand new leaf floors on the floor. If the cop says my name, bitch, I'm eating. So there, there was this uh, thing that ABC did, Knox, which was mm. like live in front of a studio audience. And it was a tribute to All in the Family and the Jeffersons. Um, oh. But what they did was instead of just doing like, you know, let's bring out the ghost of Carol. <laughs> what's it? Carol? Not Carol Reed. <laughs> Carol. Uh, God, what's his name? Holy shit. Who plays uh, Archie Bunker? Oh, fuck. Who does play Archie it's Bunker? Not Carol Reed. I right? just assumed his name was literally Archie Bunker. Right. Well, we all know. Like who he's we're playing himself, about. right? He's right. like, I'm a racist. I want a TV show. It'd be he funny. Won, wait, he won the TV show? <laughs> yeah, sure. He won it in a contest. Right. Uh, There's a contest like, who's the most racist but fat man in America? They found their perfect middle ground with uh, Archie Bunker. Yeah, with our boy. Um, God, what is this man's name? It's Carol something. Oh, Carol O'Connor. I well, I said I almost said O'Connor. It sounded too Irish. I didn't want to go racist there. I was like, that's that's clearly not a real person, Carol O'Connor. <laughs> what the fuck, bro? That that that'd be like literally Conan O'Brien. Like it's the, it's that right. extreme of a Irish name. I mean, sometimes the Irish are as stereotypical as you'd expect. It would be like shit. I have the right to say that because I'm like one sixteenth Irish or something. Right. I think you do have the technical the like the my last name is McCarty. The so minimum most what's that called <laughs> like the lowest i think bucket. that's what i think that's a scientific term the minimum most fucked up. i'm sorry uh but look i'm telling you all of this before we got into the you know your irish little uh, lineage mm-hmm. thing. and it was weird because it's like what they did is they recast all the roles right they like literally aired two episodes of all in the family and the jeffersons back to back with like a bumper up front and in the middle with a 96-year-old Norman Lear, which felt exploitative as fuck, by the way. But Did they, whatever. like, wheel him out on a gurney or something? No, come on, he's proud. Just he's stuck walking. a microphone in his face? No, the thing is this. I mean, like, you know, he was on uh, Harmon Town a couple years ago, too, and it was really interesting really? Yeah, to hear. Because, like, you know, Harmon's an abrasive asshole, but the dude looks <laughs> back, too. Like, I mean, I understand the respect, but I'm just picturing like a 90 plus year old man, like probably carrying an IV stand, just listening to Dan Harmon shirtless, getting drunk and rapping about doing like lawn maintenance. No, he was actually really well behaved. It was, uh, it was Schraub who was fucking just like the Joker that day. He was just like, like you have Norman Lear, royalty of TV, may, arguably, in my opinion, the most important man to like ever walk into the medium. Okay. Hmm. And just Schraub's just like shrobbing Norman Lear. You know what I mean? mean he's just like when we did all in the families like whose family was it and like Norman Lear's <laughs> not in on that joke man like right it was fucked up uh but no so the ABC special what happened was they did something much worse than letting him hang out with Rob Schaub which is like letting him hang out with Jimmy Kimmel so like uh, Kimmel co-hosted this with him Timmy Kimball's yeah but that <laughs> that that national treasure that fucking angel in human form um and so, like, you know, they, they have him, like, talking, like, what does uh, anyone need to know about All in the Family? And, you know, uh, and then Norman Lear gave it. He was surprisingly eloquent. I just feel like, bro, he's 96, and he gave us everything. And, by the way, quickly, if you don't know Norman Lear, if somehow you've lived under a rock or don't understand, like, the world, Norman Lear is responsible. I mean, again, when I say the most important person, I think his work in the 60s, 70s, and 80s kind of, like, the most important output of work in terms of it was, the, it was a turning point where TV stopped being about escapist kind of, uh, like, fantastical larks was, about well, he was he was like getting after some sociological issues at a time right. when not many people were yeah. so yeah absolutely so it would tackle race it would tackle sexism it would tackle all that stuff but more importantly and this is so this is the point i wanted to make which is like listen so they got woody harrelson to play archie bunker i don't know okay why. <laughs> no <That's>... no <laughs> maybe on paper I the, the execs did the same thing too right they're like yeah i could see that very weird they got marissa tomei to play edith uh, they got uh, Ellie Kemper to play Sally, and then they got uh, Ike. What, what's his name? Ike Baron Baronholtz. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Ike Baronholtz. Yeah, the guy yeah. from Mad TV that shows up in things sometimes. He now. plays Meathead. He plays Mike, right? Uh, and so it's like kind of an interesting cast. And immediately, I'm kind of against this because I'm just. They start off, and you want to talk about. Were these like, unproduced scripts, or were no, they? No, they were classic like, episodes, and they oh, redid them to show uh, how timely they are. But but here's the fucking pro- like, all right so this is my point you're bringing me there which is like we just got done watching game of thrones which was like six episodes of like pretty amazing acting and pretty great filmmaking just like 
destroyed yeah, by just bad married writing. by terrible <laughs> writing yeah. and so like this was the exact opposite of just like man everyone is bad in this <laughs> like mm-hmm. and directing on a sitcom is not like why you're there you know what i mean so what oh. you realize right away is just like wow this is like how when something's so the writing is so good it props up every other bad fucking part of this show that's how good the scripts are, man. That's how like wonderful it is. But the thing that really got me about All in the Family, and if you've you've known this for years because I'm obsessed. I love that show. It's one of my favorite sitcoms ever. I remember watching mm-hmm. it like on UPN 44 at 6:30 in the morning, like after Garfield and shit like that, like Dragon Ball Z was in the morning because that's what they would do. They play that and like Andy Griffith back to back. You know that was like UPN still had it for the old syndication game. Kind of miss right. UPN low key, but. Um, so yeah, I'd watch it all the time. And, and what I fucking realized, and it's so incredible about it, dude, is like, that was a show written for everyone in the sense that like, you know, now like the Jimmy Fallon of it all, which is like, oh, don't offend anybody. We're just having fun, guys. Like, right. That's what, what we're talking to everyone is now. Back in the day, they like would take turns, dude. Like that's mm-hmm. the creepy, crazy thing about this is you're listening to Archie Bunker speak, and you know back in '68, bigots were like, I "Fucking agree, man!" Like Archie knows, right? But then you'd have Meathead coming in, and he would be like, "Actually, Arch, what you don't know is like," and he's just going back and forth. And then for that fucking five-minute monologue, you have like all the liberal, like counterculture hippie, like your dad loved the fuck out of Mike from All in the Family. I don't know mm-hmm. that we've never had that conversation, but let's be real that's what happened you know what i mean so right. i'm sitting there just being like it was a show that that allowed that's how the show was explained to me he was like watch what rob reiner does that's that's how it goes okay that's that's the right one and i was Did like oh okay yeah some version of that it's actually really adorable that he tried to break down the entire moral complexities of the world into mike the meathead from all mm-hmm. <laughs> but but so this episode in particular is like fucking great and it's one of those ones that you you're like yeah this is just amazing and i got mad watching it uh because no one was as good as like carol o'connor you know what i mean Mm. or like sally struthers or fucking rob ryan or any of the original cast you know what i mean um yeah but the cool thing is about this i'll tell you this immediately they got me because they start off and they have them do all uh, those were the days if only gandolfini could have played that role he would have killed it i mean he kind of was playing he was like an italian reincarnated <laughs> italian carol o'connor <laughs> okay but so this is my that brings me to the other point which is like listen again uh so they start off with the those were the days song and mm-hmm. i'm not gonna lie immediately pavlovian response of like oh you're just like oh shit, yeah like, i'm right so there. good i'm, I'm sold i was against yeah. this now i'm not <laughs> dude i so was uh and then they started acting and i was just like oh shit uh <laughs> Uh, but but, yeah. but but it brings you to the point where you realize that those people, right, which Gene Stapleton, I'm like, I'm such a piece of shit for not knowing her name, but the, the woman who played Edith, Carol O'Connor, all those people, they're fucking actors, dude. Like, because mm. none of them were, like, uneducated fucking, like, like people yeah. queens. They like I think Carol O'Connor sounds like he's damn near, he's one of those motherfucking Americans who's, like, Is like, he, like, actually British, British or something? I, but, but he's not, but he sounds like it. Like, you know how, like, uh, like Al Swearingen sounds in Deadwood? We're like, that's yeah. American, but that ain't American. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, that's exactly what, what Carol O'Connor sounds like, and you realize, like, oh my god, this guy is, like, a fucking, like, thespian on, right. on set, you know? And you're just watching this, but, so the episode is about uh the episode where as opposed um, to woody harrelson who's just a fucking stoned you know the thing if he was like 50 pounds heavier it might have worked but he's just like too wily like he it's almost like if jim carrey was doing like the body mm. movements like woody harrelson <laughs> performance dictated by jim carrey that's what that right you was. need a you need a portly man uh to play that role just from the jump but no, no, I mean, I, I agree. It seems like a prerequisite for the role, but no one got the memo that you, you need a guy that looks like he's been sitting in an armchair for 90% of his life. Right. Um, we, we can make that. We, can, we just got to tell him, like, hey, right, good job. It was a good first chance. Here's mm-hmm. some notes. Like, you need a fat guy. You need a Wally type, hasn't left his chair in a couple just generations. sedentary, <laughs> racist man who yells at the television. <laughs> Updated um, version of uh, Archie Bunker would be just a, a regular white man who watches Fox News now. It is weird how that came back around, right? <laughs> right. Like, like, like when when Archie Bunker was made, it really was a like reflection of like, look, you know, we have those conversations all the time about like, okay, are is is this the death rattle of like crazy old bigoted white people? They had the same conversation in 1969, bro. <laughs> like, right. That's the they're fucking like, problem. oh, they're on their way out. <laughs> 
yeah. which is not comforting. I just want to throw that out. And there. then that generation that was saying, oh, they're on their way out, somehow half of them got radicalized still, and now they're fucking back. How does that work? I don't know. Aging? Maybe a- well, aging is madness in general. Like you get a little maybe. less compassionate with each day, each year, each decade. Each that year. makes sense. I mean, you, you start feeling more aches and pains. You start to get a little less empathetic or right. a little less, you know, sympathetic towards people's well, I mean, even, and stuff. Even, even in like terms of like archetypes for that show, right? Because again, mm-hmm. that's what's brilliant about it. You have Archie who like, okay, pure definition of like whatever the fuck. He fought in the war. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that, that's the weird dichotomy. If you could be a racist the, piece of shit and a the good, greatest generation or whatever. Yeah, yeah. like which is like that's the biggest oxymoron catch twenty two of any generation. <laughs> by the way, like they fought the Nazis and they've just been using that goodwill to just be racist, like sexist pieces of shit. Makes no sense to me. I mean, it does buy them a lot of goodwill. It's it, it does. They're like, like how many the Jerry's ultimate you kill? villain of the past two hundred years. It really would have been like they all took up arms to fight the Emperor and Darth Vader. You're like, fuck, yeah. well, okay, damn it. Yeah. Like, okay, voluntarily, you can, there was you no can draft. have your opinions. That's fine. Well, okay, so that's the point. So, like, he, he exists in that world where you know he's compassionate and kind enough to have done something like that without being drafted, right? He felt patriotism, sense of duty, but he's also scared of the other. Right? right, and then you have Mike the Meathead, right? You have you have him who represents that counterculture, like eighteen year old, and it's just interesting. It's the the, the the dichotomy and that duality of man right then and there, because a lot of people say there's a saying, right, where like if you're young and you're not a liberal, you don't have a heart. If you're old and you you're not a conservative, yeah. you don't have a brain. Which I hate. Yeah, that. That makes no I I hate it but, too. But but the anytime adage, someone I, posts that on Facebook, I was like, do you have a thought in your head that someone didn't put there yourself? I literally write that and then I unfriend them. Unless I'm related. <laughs> I was like, you don't even let them respond. You're like, nope, I'm out. I recuse myself. I already, I already, I already know the goddamn answer. Because they'll usually put like a fucking cry laughing emoji or something. Right. I hate the cry laughing emoji so fucking much. Like there's nothing that will set me off quicker than seeing the cry a laughing emoji. And I see it all the time. So I'm very angry. I'm a very angry man. This I'm would be turn into the, Archie Bunker. This is yeah, they, exactly. That, this is what the new reboot yeah. would be about. It wouldn't be about race or sex or trans or like we're way past that. It's about crying <laughs> Just, emojis. <laughs> I'm racist towards emojis specifically. And you, well, like, to be fair, it's not like the shade color emoji, right? Because they've gotten more inclusive there. You just hate certain emojis a lot. Like I those. just hate the the emotion it's representing where someone will say something obvious or that everybody can agree on or something dumb. And then they'll put a cry laughing emoji. And I'll just be like, fuck you. Get, right. Go straight to hell, you son of a bitch. I wonder if all that residual anger is going to mutate into something awful later. It's going to turn you is into that how it happens conservative yeah i think i literally do man i think you just get you get burned by gonna, life one way and then then you do i'm gonna just start hate watching ben shapiro and then at some point i'm gonna be like oh this guy's making a lot of sense i warn against that all the time <laughs> sorry like you just switched gear so hard and i gotta i'm gonna bring it back to all in the family i promise but what i'm saying is literally that where like there are people who will watch something ironically or or like me where I'm like, you got to let them talk. But like at some point mm-hmm. you're like, okay, no, you don't have to let them talk. Like you can yeah. listen to the other side and then no, no, be like, all right, turn the valve off, you know, because I think too much that's scary. And what I'm saying is like, so if I can bring it back to all in the family again, I'm sorry. But like, no, no, no. Just the idea that like that was something that you avoided back at this time. I, I feel like all TV, even the great stuff that I love, like, you know, I really love Lindelof, right? That dude mm-hmm. is clearly a fucking liberal. I mean, you look at his work and like what what his like general life philosophy is, and you're like, all right, he's a liberal. He's got an agenda. Good. I like it would it. be surprising if he was a hardcore Republican, <laughs> but who knows? Not me. He's got a secret Twitter account. He's like, you know, I mean, listen, unpopular. We should be separating children. Sandy right? Hook like, was a false flag. I'm just saying. Look, seriously, I hired these crisis also, actors in the leftovers. The leftovers. <laughs> yeah, goddamn it. <laughs> There we go. I mean, uh, the work's good enough to almost excuse it, man. But but again, <laughs> again, again, it's like you watched this back in the day and what it represented was the uh, everyone having a seat at the table, everyone having a voice in that conversation. So in this episode, it's the episode where Henry Jefferson is like moving to Chicago. He's going to get his dry cleaning business, right? And it's really weird. Like within the show, the Jeffersons had been in here for a while, but George Jefferson hadn't appeared yet. And I found out that the reason was because uh, fucking what's his name? Herman. I forget his name. The guy who plays George Jefferson. Okay. He was on some other show. He wasn't able to come on right now. And Norman Lear, like just wanted to work with him. Sherman Hemsley. There we go. Thank you. Um, 
did I say Herman? Oh mm-hmm. Lord, the fuck! You just forgot the S, bro. You're fine. Yeah, that's not good. Um, but so the the part was on ice for him basically, and so this is the episode where he was first introduced, and they're they're throwing a party, and George uh, can't get the party thrown at this place so edith accidentally volunteers to have like the jeffersons over and again in this episode you have like such classics as archie being like you can take the cullets out the jungle but you can't take the jungle out the cullets right like they went hard on the race and by the way what i loved about this is in the live audience they showed the live audience before it's legit it's like a lot of black a lot of white like it's so mixed and you just you can feel the audience reaction in like as as a as a part of the drama as a part of the mm-hmm. fucking opera because you're just like oh shit and you know white people are like oh we can't like but they're but their yeah. parents and we're like no problem when this aired you know what I mean right. so uh, I love that and so they they have this whole thing where they're talking about like why isn't there a black president and he's just like well you would have to be twice as smart right because Archie like lost a job to a black dude in this episode and. Um, Lionel Washington or Jefferson comes in and he's just like, yo, he, that means he has to be twice as smart. If you know this, right? Like we're black folk. We have to work twice as hard to get half as much. Like that's how, you know, uh, and so talking about president, blah, 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 blah. Why there's a black president. And then fucking Sally comes on. Sally Struthers comes on and she's like, uh, when's there going to be a woman president? You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, they're going back and forth. And now suddenly it's like, there's a conversation between like marginalized uh, black people and marginalized women, right? Mm-hmm. Which is two minorities that generally speaking get like their voice dissented when they're having that larger conversation. But now like there isn't the white fucking male presence. It's just like, you know, like black representation, female representation. I've never seen a ghetto for a woman. What do you call a kitchen? You know what I mean? Like just going back and forth and shit like that. And it's like, Jesus Christ, like in a million years, we could not write the shit that was being written back then um it's kind of depressing i'm gonna be honest like because we don't have the ability to write everyone honestly i think that's the thing i you know like when that show came out people were really angry at archie bunker because he was a lovable bigot like Mm -hmm. liberals were like what the fuck are you normalizing this guy and then uh you know angry racists were like he's always the butt of the joke and he's stupid like you know what i mean it outraged everyone simultaneously but it allowed everyone to have a voice uh, mm-hmm. And it's just like, we, we don't write. I can't name one show that's still able to actually be that complex in its writing. You know what I mean? Like outside of The Wire or something. You know what I mean? Well, you don't think that we could do that, though? Not, not no, you I, and me, but like this time, you don't think that this era could produce that? I think we're really entrenched. I think we, we try to see it now. Like people, people are starting to like, you know, that's what like the Roseanne revival was, right? Like, mm. oh, she's Which I never watched. Supporter. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I don't know. If did, did they get into the Trump supporting nature of Roseanne yeah, in the show? The pilot of the re- revival is like her straight up like, and so like apparently her and Jackie haven't talked in a couple of years in the version of the show because they had a falling out over Trump and Hillary mm. is like how the revival starts up. That makes and, sense. You know, she's also gay, even though they retcon that, I guess, because now she's fucking Matthew Broderick. I don't know. It's weird. Wait, what? Doesn't matter. Yeah. Whatever. Don't let's not get lost in it. What I'm trying to say is like you're starting to see that art. You're starting to see us like actually try to tackle and I don't want to yeah. say humanize or soften, right? But I do think like try to give an accurate portrayal as to why that is. I feel like literally the wire was the last time that we took a bird's eye view of society and wasn't about, oh, crime bad. And instead, like what? are the factors that lead up to crime. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like we don't really do that anymore, I don't think. Wasn't there a show called American Crime or something that was like starting to kind of do that too? They had tried and got cut off because big crime didn't want big, that to happen. Big crime, big crime was like, <laughs> shut it down. <laughs> I mean, big crime, you think their, their goal would be to try to get more publicity, but they're like, shut it down. We don't do American Crime, man. We do faceless, all in the family, bigoted fucking crime, and that is it. It's a new era. <laughs> Just like crime as a whole has a representative, they storm into offices and they go, nope. Yep. <laughs> Pull the plug. We're done. Or is crime personified? Is he like just one dude? I'm asking you. You're the one who said big crime. What are the rules here? I don't know, but like, I think that that's what we should do for all corporations. Big tobacco. What we should do is elect like actors to be representative. That way we could have like a face to hate. Yes, like yeah, you remember like the the episode of Community where they make Subway a person? Like <laughs> he's legally a person. Of course. How could okay. I forget? Well, that's what I want to do, but we elect we like we we elect a fucking council that then elects other people. It becomes like a real Hunger Games situation real quickly. Uh, would would you take that job? Let's say like somebody comes to you and they offer you like a sorry to bother you scenario where they're like, "I will give you like, you know, 10 million dollars to be uh literally a representative of hate itself." Or 
to, to be um, a face that someone could hate. So for the rest of your life, everyone will hate you everywhere you go. Well, it's a You're life just contract. Inspire... I, 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 well, I thought it would yeah, be more a like life elections. Contract. I thought it'd be like every four years, someone else gets to be. So we, like, just, I don't we want... just stop hating the person after four years. People yeah, like I don't want Keanu to be the fucking face of big tobacco forever. <laughs> like that sucks. He's too much. He's perfect. He's like, I don't <laughs> know. Perfect. I mean, can we, yeah, he's doing. This going to be a fourth John Wick. Are you kidding me? Like he said, he's not... going to do those until it stops making money. So good for him. I'm they kind of okay. With money, it. and here's the other thing. I good for him because he's fifty. And he's an yeah. action star. Like, I don't know when that trend happened. Like, or like Liam know. Neeson just did it at age 55 and everyone was like, fuck it. I guess you can yeah. just like be an action then they, star. Then they did the expendables and it was just like all uphill from there. <laughs> Those movies are fucking terrible. Are there any it's redeeming crazy. qualities to them? No. They don't it, have it's a, a, they it's don't a have lot like of a Norman like... Lear type of uh, coded <laughs> messaging and stuff. Like, do you, do... <laughs> Do I need to answer that question? <laughs> I'm just saying, imagine a world where Norman Lear writes The Expendables, okay? That would like, be a wonderful world. It would you be, because you already got the diversity, sort of. You got, like, what, six old white dudes. You got two other Cruz. old white dudes. Terry Crews. Jet I don't Lee think was he's a part of, of that franchise anymore, though. No, but Jet Li was there, I think. Mm-hmm. Kelsey Grammer, for some reason. Sure, why not? Bruce Willie. <laughs> Bruce Willie. Yeah. It's mostly white people, I'm realizing. All right. So it's it's almost exclusively white people. All right. So it wouldn't be about race. Maybe it'd be about like, uh, like, like ageism. Like well, like hair. Well, how? They're all old. <laughs> what? There's ageism with. Well, there's, there's some that are less old. That, that's one of the, like the running gags in the movie, if you even want to call it that. Have you seen these movies no, or no? Because I'm not going to waste my. Like, I have like. <laughs> whiskey is already killing so much fucking brain, so I got to fucking waste it on the expendables? No. I mean, isn't Mel Gibson in one of those? Isn't this one of the movies where Mel Gibson got like his they, like? They trot okay out like yeah, them. every fucking has been old guy that was action movie adjacent, and they throw him into these movies. Yeah, you know what's weird about that? And we're firmly off the All in the Family now, but I want to just talk about like '80s action stars, I guess, because that's what The Expendables kind of is. It's like we did something back when, remember? You know, mm-hmm. and like we're all taking a victory lap. But it's weird because like thinking about it now. Uh, I mean, I guess Stallone, I guess Stallone, sure, and I guess Bruce Willis, but every like Mel Gibson as an action star like blows my fucking mind. I don't know why. Like, and it's weird. I know he did Mad Max. He did Lethal Weapon. Like, he because he's like kind of an overweight, racist, bearded alcoholic. Now he's always too drunk to ever possibly do anything. (laughs) Like, let alone run down the street. Let alone like uh, uh, he just looks like he smells like cigarettes all the time. You know. Well, I'm sure like he's just using like it's not even a gray beard. It's just all the fucking like ash that he's put out. Just on ashes his beard. that have yeah. just fucking like formed into a beard shape. He's actually clean shaven. He's the, I mean, I'm just saying he's the one that kind of freaks me out. Like, you know, like Stallone, not 10 years ago, I guess 11 years ago now, put out that last Rambo movie just to like let people remember. Like, right. He's like, yeah, I'm still on steroids. Yeah, I can, I can still do this. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> he's doing Rocky and we, we just give him goodwill for those films, I guess. I don't know. Did he die in the last Rocky movie? I forget. I don't I know. I didn't it. see Creed 2. That's what I'm um, asking. That's what I'm asking. Yeah, you didn't see Creed 2. Yeah, because he didn't, he didn't die in Creed 1, right? But he did get diagnosed with some sort of terminal something, right? Right. Isn't yeah. That the deal. That's the deal in Creed One. I didn't see Creed Two. I didn't either. He fights I- Ivan Dra- Drago's son. <laughs> of course he does. <laughs> it's like give him a new guy to fight. You know, let like the first one, the- you've got to have like a connection, right? Let alone but the, the second math one is weird on that, by the way, because that mm-hmm. movie's eighty-six, I think, or something. So like, yeah, boxing, they they allude to him being in his prime, which is certainly not in your mid-thirties in boxing. You know what I mean? So it's like. I don't know. Everyone's age. Are you talking about what Michael B. Jordan being? Yeah, Michael B. Jordan and Ivan Drago's kid. Like, unless that's Ivan Drago's kid from like ten years after the movie. You know what I mean? I mean, it's very possible. You know, Ivan Drago might be like fathering children to this day. You don't know. But oh, see, like I guess him too. The problem with him and Van Damme is like, well, they're not really ours. Like, I mean, they had those (laughs) er, like early '90s movies, and they were well. I guess wasn't Ivan Drago in Predator or something? Like, he gets that cred. Wait, the the actor who plays Ivan Drago? Yeah, yeah. What's his uh, 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 Dolph Lundgren? Yeah, Dolph Lundgren. What if he could smell crime? God damn it! I knew as soon as I said Dolph Lundgren, you were like in a mesh tank top, like smelling <laughs> crime before it happens. What uh, if he had a giant nose and then Dolph Lundgren's body? That'd be cool. Write that down. Um, I'm sorry, this is just always sunny references, but no, uh, Dolph Lundgren, apparently he's like a fucking genius, by the way, in real is life. 
Yeah, I think he's got like a biochem master's in biochemistry or something like that. Dude, the guy who plays maybe. fucking RoboCop is like secretly an uh, architecture expert and he writes like blogs on architecture like websites and shit and is like, go go to Venice in the fall and this is why. And then he just tells you all of it. What was that guy's name? Is it Peter Ware? That can't yeah, be Yeah, Peter right. Weir. Is it? All right. <laughs> Sorry. Peter Ware. It's been a bit Peter since I've seen, seen RoboCop. I'm not going to lie. I can, I can quote everywhere. one line from RoboCop. Wait. No. No? Not Peter Ware? <laughs> that guy is a different guy. I'm going to look up RoboCop. I'm sorry. RoboCop's good, though. Man. It's great. I, I just I know one line from it, which is "Dead or alive, you're coming with me," which is pretty badass. Peter Weller, Peter Weller, Peter, Peter Weller, Weller. I was not. He was also in off. Naked Lunch, which is a fucking kind of a masterpiece. Have you seen Naked Lunch? No, nah, because there's so many. I don't know what the good one is. It's like I, it, there's I so many. Yeah, isn't there like isn't there's there like literally Naked lunch, one one and a half? Isn't that it? <laughs> like, there's a second one. <laughs> there's at least a half one, Max. Like, what do you it's want? It's like X Men One and a Half, which is just the DVD with more deleted scenes. Spider Man One and a Half. I want to give some credit to Lion King because when they did Lion King One and a Half, it was like a. I mean, I guess it, it was its own was, thing, right? Yeah, but there was yeah. like a trend in the early two thousands. Like you release a superhero movie, then you release the One and a Half version, right. which is just the movie with deleted scenes. What happened to that era? I guess streaming has kind of killed you know special features altogether. Yeah, you know, like Disney sad. really built their empire. They said they really built their empire on '90s VHSs. Like, you made Aladdin, then you could make a much cheaper sequel way faster and sell it mm -hmm. on VHS. Motherfucking kids were gonna buy it, and I know yeah. that because I bought Return of the Jafar like seven times. Okay, yeah, of uh, course, because you kept destroying the copy because you were so excited. It was so real you would have to go get another one. You know which one's a piece of shit though? Is fucking uh, Aladdin and the the Forty Dude. Thieves. Speaking of Aladdin, I don't mean to cut you off, it's but I cool. just no, we watched. Should talk about it. Yeah, let's do no, it. I just I just watched a um an interesting video from Lindsay Ellis talking about the history of like how Disney fucked over Robin Williams with the first one, and that's why he didn't come back for the second one, right. which was a direct to video fucking release anyway. Um, but it was interesting. Apparently, at the time, he was doing Fern Gully and Aladdin. It was something about they... the size of the character on the poster, right? he literally didn't want them to market that he was in the film at all because he didn't want to distract from the work of the animators and everything. He was there as an actor, not as a personality, like as Robin Williams, he was there as a voice actor. And instead they ended up like marketing the shit out of the fact that he was in the movie. Um, Can I just which, ask uh, why that's a problem though? <clears throat> like, no, well, like, well, I just want to, I mean, and I, I'm sure you're going to answer, but I'm just, I want to walk through it in real time, which is like, look, I get it. I mean, you want to be in service of the, the, uh, the animators and i guess mm -hmm. that's maybe that's not true i mean because beauty and the beast is a couple of years later but what movies were already out little mermaid were, was already out right yeah that's 88 89 something like that mm -hmm. um I, I guess what i'm saying is like you're making a movie in the 90s that had to cost some money there obviously some money went into the production of aladdin okay uh yeah. why wouldn't you kind of sell your stars i know that's atypical of like what animation was in the 80s and 90s like you the story right. and the cartoon was the sell now when we do animated movies what's the first thing you see like brad it's Pitt. like the yeah and that's what the video was talking about is how we moved away we moved from like just classic voice actors or whatever where they weren't advertised really at all um like who was in the movie even if you had like a couple of famous people to now starring with John Travolta and Chris Rock, Brendan Fraser. And it just kind of turned into that. And Aladdin was sort of like one of the first steps in that direction. Right. Also at the time, uh, Fern Gully, just the fact that he was in Fern Gully, I think it was Eisner or whatever that was trying to bully Robin Williams out of, like into backing out of Fern Gully because that was going to distract from his work in Aladdin. And he was like, no, fuck you. I signed on to two movies. I'm just a voice actor. Leave me alone. And they were literally like trying to force the Ferngully writers like out of the fucking studio. They would rent out the spaces that the Ferngully people had rented out and everything, try to force them out, like try to like halt production altogether just because Robin Williams wouldn't abdicate his role in that movie. It, like, dude, one day I want to, you know how like uh, Sorkin and Fincher made the founding of Facebook, like the most riveting movie of the decade, maybe mm -hmm. <laughs> like, we got to do that for nineties Disney, man. Cause like, yo, it was some straight, like, Yakuza, there was some Game of Thrones shit, fucking man. crazy like, shit going on, dude. 
There's going to be um, a biography for it. We, let's, let's put a pin in that or not put a pin in it, but let's make a mental marker to actually look that up because that is something I would yeah. love to read into and like totally adapt into something. That'd be amazing. But mm-hmm. no, but it's, but, but that is really interesting to me. I want to give a quick shout out to Amy Poehler, by the way. I know you didn't love Inside Out, but that's the last time I watched a whole movie without being like, oh, that's this person voice acting. Yeah. Um, which again, funny enough, it was actually, she was like mentioned as a highlight as like one of the few like people who actually deserved the role that she got in that really? video that I'm talking about. Every now in and terms then of, like, when people yeah. agree with some shit I said, I feel really vindicated. <laughs> like I'm not as dumb as I think. Like I adore Lindsay Ellis. I think she's a, such a smart person. Mm-hmm. So if I'm coming on to her territory, I feel pretty good about it. Yeah. Cause she, she absolutely inhabits that role. And I like that movie. I just didn't love that movie. Like I, I didn't put it in top tier Pixar. That's not in the upper top five for me. Yeah, no, I mean, again, their empire is weird because like now we're, we're I just want to point out that this is a guy who like made theme parks and made cartoons and he parlayed that into the biggest company in the entire world. Like it's really yeah. scary, like how quickly and how fast and, and the like, like this is such a family friendly thing, but let's be real. The darkness that is so pervasive within that, that company is scary like oh, yeah. next level scary like if you told me there was like a skull and bone secret disney society i that wouldn't i i that's more right. likely that it's real that it's not real you know well ju- just the fact that there's an enduring and false conspiracy theory that walt disney is cryogenically frozen <laughs> under the pirates of the caribbean ride and nobody questions it like that that's the right. level on, that's of ridiculous. potential evil that we're dealing with here. everyone knows that he's fucking frozen in blizzard beach it's in the yeah. name but clearly everyone, ugh, pirates of the caribbean so obvious yeah it's that's a, a tropical climate, climate. Would yeah what the fuck melt, melt immediately, immediately. they don't have electricity in pirate times swear to god get your head this is why we can't deal with conspiracy theories because they don't take two fucking seconds like to, yeah, to, to take a fucking it. second think about it <laughs> <laughs> oh shit all right but no so i'm interested in this because so yeah. I, I know for a fact that's why he didn't come back but then he came back for the third one i think because they offered him a shitload of money like he was i think he took like the like he was like paid scale for the first one or something like that he was paid like a very low amount of money because he believed in the project apparently what they had done like as a pitch to him was like the animators or writers or something had seen his stand-up and this was before he was like a mega sensation when they were in development for Aladdin um, and animated his stand-up with the genie. And like, he loved it because he was really <laughs> on the fence. Like it actually made him laugh. And they were like, well, you that know was, he was like doing one of the highlights. Coke in the eighties too. He just yeah. did like a huge slide. He's, He's like, like oh, I'm a genie. Whoa. I'm a hot dog. I'm a genie. Yeah. Like, um, and he fucking loved it and like signed on to do it right away. You should really watch this video. I don't want to just recap this video. Um, Lindsay no, no, Ellis. I'll watch it. I'll watch it. Well, yeah, you and the audience in general, like check out Lindsay Ellis if you're interested in really good film criticism. But it is really fucking interesting. Um, but yeah, he basically like went from that to doing the movie for like seventy thousand dollars, like barely anything, even by right. those standards of that day. That always and makes me happy. Then, you hear about like that and like when Bill Murray took scale on the first three Wes Anderson movies, like well after yeah. he didn't have to anymore, but he did. Yeah. <laughs> like that's because he just weird. believed in it. He also decided to sign up for Garfield because he thought it was written by one of the Coen brothers. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying he's Cohen. always fucking unimpeachable. <laughs> I'm saying that he's a good guy mostly, you know? Right, right. With his marijuana um, addiction. Well, I mean, so, I mean, I, it's weird because Aladdin, I mean, that's such a fucking great movie to this day. I mean, I think that's why I'm so super against this movie. And we're recording this a day before the movie comes out. Like Aladdin yeah. live action comes out tomorrow. And I obviously have some personal feelings on this just because I love that, you know, in the same way that like my sister really loved Dirty Dancing for some reason. Like I had two movies mm-hmm. in my house and it was fucking E.T. and it was Aladdin on VHS over and over and over and over. Yeah. And so I, I think it's a perfect movie. And I, I know you could say that about any of them. Cinderella, why? Like Beauty and the Beast, why? You didn't really need mm-hmm. to do any of those. This one seems particularly egregious, and I think it's largely because Robin Williams is so intrinsically linked to that role. Like, like in the same way that, like, like it's going to be hard to cast Wolverine next because it's like, yo, Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. When we think about the genie, even though other people have done it, our Homer Simpson has done the voice. Uh, the guy who's on Parks and Rec who would always make the, uh, like, wood puns. Do you know what I'm talking about? He's like an announcer. He'd be like, would I? You know what I'm talking about? No. <laughs> if you saw him, you would know him. He's always, like, doing award show uh, things in, in Pawnee, and he's always, mm. like, with Jan- Joan Calamezzo, and he's always making, like, bad puns. That's, like, his whole bit. But anyway, he did the voice of Genie in the cartoon. Oh, okay. Uh, but what I'm saying is, like, this movie's coming out. They got Will Smith, who I guess is bankable. I mean, he certainly was at one point. 
Uh, yeah, 20 years ago. I, I Can I just be honest? I don't care how disrespectful this is. You just get the audio of fucking Robin Williams. And you CGI that bitch. I'm fine with it, dude. <laughs> just or fully hologram, CGI man. genie. So, but we brought back Tarkin, okay? Like, yeah. just... Or just don't do the movie. <laughs> that That's another fucking thought. Just re-release the original in theaters. That would be way less disrespectful. It would make a shitload of money. Like it would make a shitload of right. money. Right. Give that fun. movie a $50 million animation restoration. Make that shit fucking beautiful. Make it Yeah, make it pristine. Oh. Yeah, I don't care. Um, even CGI, all of it. I don't really care, honestly. But like just the idea of doing these live action remakes. Because for me, like how you're feeling about Aladdin is how I felt about the Beauty and the Beast thing. Right. Because like that was like one of my, that was my shit growing up. Like that introduced me to like, you know, the whole idea of like gothic literature in general and like just the sort of strangeness of that and the creepiness of that, like kind of segued into like my love of like Tim Burton and then horror and then, you know, noir and just like dark cinema in general. Like right. it starts when you're a kid. No, and we really um, need to take a second to like let the audience know, cause y'all may not know this. Beauty and the Beast is the first animated film to be nominated for best picture. Like yeah. that's a, that movie is a fucking achievement, dude. It is. And I know when, when you were a kid, like you, for some reason that was weird to be like, Oh, Beauty and the Beast is fucking good. Like not realizing one, it's a story that's been told a billion fucking times. And it's, it's mm -hmm. one of the great classic stories. Right? Bit. If you yeah. fucking saw King Kong, you saw Beauty and the Beast. I mean, it's a story that we've done all the time over and over again, but for some reason you weren't allowed to admit that as a kid. And then you're like, well, I watched it recently, like two years ago as an adult, I was like 27. And I'm like, Holy shit, this movie's awesome. <laughs> like it still right. is like, a perfect movie. Yeah. Um, and so I get it. I get what you're saying, which is just like, I don't know, you have an attachment to it. And well, yeah, it's, it was a formative thing for me as a kid. And it's like, that's why people feel so much about these Disney films in general. It's like you take them on their own and most of them are really good, but they're not like revolutionary. But as yeah. a child, like that's what you're taking in. That's forming your fucking neural pathways and shit. That's how you take in art later. Um, so to see it like basically brought back for no reason with nothing new to say with live action actors um, with the ugliest character design and effects I've ever seen. <laughs> um, and I know you didn't see the new one, right? No, I haven't. Yeah. And it's the same thing with this Aladdin thing. It's just like it, you start to ask yourself, they're basically using the same script. Um, it just looks worse. Why is this happening? And the answer is money. It's just the most hollow reason to bring it back. Okay, you have something see, new to say, do it. But otherwise, why? Well, I think it's Eisner. Or who was the guy before Eisner? Like, who, who's running it now? Is Eisner now? No, I'm trying to remember. Right. Okay, I, well, I that's the point. I, Eisner's before. So whoever's running it now, is the, he, he was this other. So Eisner, his, his mentor, okay? He once had a quote that said, like, we are under no obligation to create art. We're under an obligation to make money. It's Iger who's running it now. Bob Iger. Okay. Yeah. So Iger, yeah. Iger's mentor was, was uh, Eisner. Okay. And yeah. like, there's a quote from him in the nineties, like generally when the, the, the big VHS boom was happening, the direct to video bullshit, where he's like, we're under no obligation to make art. We're in the obligation to make money. We have shareholders. Our job is to make profit. Occasionally mm -hmm. while in the course of trying to make profit, we will make art and so be it. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Cause that's scary. I mean, like, cause we just talk about like, you know, like weird, uh, you know, unilateral, like, uh, power, you know what I'm talking about? Like just like mm -hmm. any occupational force, I guess. And it just like, that scares me that like, at some point you can get so big, just trying to bow down to capitalism that you're still making art. Like art is supposed to be this beautiful, pure thing. And it's like still a product of no pure artistic vision or like, you know, you're not starting off with noble intentions. You're starting off to make fucking money and you luckily made something. Like, it seems like a perversion of art. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I have no problem with, like, the free market or cat I mean, I do. But, I, like, <laughs> I, I don't have any problem with the idea of, I'm not so naive to think that, you know, like, if you're going to invest $100 million or $200 million in something that you expect to, you know, turn a profit on it. But at the same time, like, just to uphold the integrity of your brand, I would hope that you would find something worthwhile in what you're doing that it wouldn't be so hollow as to just say hey people know beauty and the beast people know aladdin let's bring it back um with as little effort as possible i remember you were talking about like you were in la and you were talking to somebody that knew about the production of aladdin and how yeah. it was totally fucked from the start um and how it's going to be a shit show and everything uh 
I don't know, like if you want to talk about that a little bit, but just yeah, the- no, I mean, we talked about it briefly um, on the, on our treat them, treat them like their ghosts episode, my travel yeah. log to LA or whatever. But uh, yeah, I have a friend of mine who I can't say her name or his name, but uh, her fiance is a visual effects producer mm-hmm. and just said like, he, he's the guy who has to go to Disney whenever there's a problem. And he just has been like not eating like staying getting like four hours of sleep a night like dude's really Jesus. fucked up yeah but this guy richie apparently like had no interest about like two weeks after he signed on he was pretty much over it um yeah. hasn't been going through so if you don't know how like the editing process works especially like these big visual effects driven films you have to go in and basically go frame by frame on the movie to make sure that all the effects are where they need to be and like that dude just skipped out for like weeks and weeks and like so they, they hired a bunch of people just to put that trailer out. And it's like a whole thing. It's a whole thing. And the reviews are right. coming out. I mean, I don't know if you saw the first reviews. I think they're pretty polarizing. Um, I saw it's got like a 60 something percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, this is, is and this is the point I was going to say, which is just like, again, we're talking about perversion of art. It's like they got someone to make that a passable film. I told you it wouldn't be a complete fucking clusterfuck. I said Disney will yeah. make it possible. Yeah, D- Disney is not going to release a total clusterfuck. Right. Yeah. Uh, but it, but it just shows you that like people went into that probably tried really hard to make something really good, you know. But mm-hmm. like again, this whole project was greenlit to make money, and then they hired hungry artists who do want to make something good. Uh, yeah, and they knew it wasn't going to happen. That's what I'm saying. Like it's just it's really profoundly sad. Like that's like when you start thinking about the meat grinder that is just like entertainment and shit like that. That's why you need yeah. to have like cool billionaires. Like what's who runs eight twenty four or Annapurna? Is that Megan Ellison? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, I I saw recently that she was like shitting all over Game of Thrones this season, like very publicly too. It was great. I'm into it. Yeah, no, I love it. Uh, like she, no, she tweeted need... out like, "What is this hot fucking garbage right now?" Like just after every episode, it was great. Well, no, you need cool eccentric billionaires who are like, "It's just money, man. Can't take it with you." You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you were just Can't like, "Take I'll, it with you." I'll film your weird little movie uh, that that yeah. still has merit, I guess. I don't know. And like, largely, her and the A24 people have done that for film. Like, I mean. Mm-hmm. We've gotten some of the best films the last couple of years out of those two places, out of those two production houses. Yeah, pretty much almost like 80% of my favorite movies of the past like 10 years have come out of those two studios. We need to we need we need to rally the troops. We need to get every small we need like we need Fox Searchlight, you know? We mm-hmm. need fucking well, I don't that's know Disney now. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> That's the whole premise of this. I'm trying to get like small indie studios and like all of them have been bought they're by Disney. All Disney. <laughs> and they like they're really nice. They listen to the whole pitch. They get mm-hmm. really excited. They're like, I would we would love to. Here's the problem. Uh Disney. Yeah. <laughs> like they pull out their ears. Problem is like that we're getting paid now. Right. Um <laughs> This is cute, but I do want to point out that, you know, like they we're laughing and I we got 10 years before like Disney is literally like a giant robot that roams Manhattan, like knocks down buildings and shit. <laughs> oh, like a literal physical <laughs> yes, robot. Yes, dude. Like, like, and all of Disney Corp exists inside of it. It's a sovereign nation. Just a just giant around. Mickey Mouse head. I'm fucking over it, man. I'm so fucking over it. I'm just so finding independent artists and just eating them and going, ha ha, ha ha. It does it so joyously that you're distracted <laughs> from the horrors that are going on within, man. It's yeah, like, oh, those animatronics are on point, though. I mean, it's terrifying. Right. right. <laughs> but game recognizing game. I mean, like... The visual spectacle. So glossy. <laughs> What's that Leonard Cohen song, right? Like, I'm always amazed by the beauty of our warfare or some shit like that, or our weapons or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's what it is. Like, yes, it's, we're <laughs> fucked, but look at it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Might as well enjoy it while we're on our way out, right? But yeah, the the idea that Disney has been allowed to like, aren't there laws against this? Like, I think they're called monopoly laws, antitrust laws, yeah. something Trust like Buster. that. Yeah. When's that gonna happen? We got to write a movie called Trustbuster. <laughs> That's what it is. And we got to. Who are we gonna get to produce it? Well, Disney. That's the fucking. Oh, That's like shit. the holy shit moment, bro. Like, Trustbuster, <laughs> like a Disney film. And look, they'll hide it. They'll say a Buena Vista picture, whatever the fuck mm-hmm. their little adult studio thing is. But we'll get them to pay for it, sir. Yeah, we will. And uh, then it comes out, <laughs> changes hearts and minds. Yeah. One without the other doesn't really make sense. Uh, yeah. and, and then legislation. I mean, it seems easy. What's the premise of Trustbuster? <laughs> like, like, I mean, I just wonder, is it a time travel pick? Is he like, because what we could do literally is get time travel. We could combine like HG Wells, the time machine 
with mm. uh, our story that we're telling. And it's literally TR. It's fucking Teddy Roosevelt himself. You know, yeah. he's like trying to chop down a tree. He chops too hard. He goes through a shadow world. Uh, now he's in fucking this time. <laughs> Maybe we, we like get with William Randolph Hearst or something and we partner up with him because he loved yellow journalism at the time. And we just like make up some sort of crazy scandal involving Mickey Mouse. Like Mickey Mouse caught with a dead hooker. Oh shit. Put it on like all the headlines and everything. Mouse empire goes down before it can even start. People don't even question for a second right. that it's a cartoon mouse and that's impossible. Yeah, we're trying to find the proverbial baby Hitler and, in the crib moment here. <laughs> so for and then and then Hearst Pictures rises like a phoenix from the ashes. That's and worse. Dude. The new conglomerate. That that's way worse because William Randolph Hearst's father. Well, is we're gonna him. have shares in that bitch because time travel. <laughs> but then be we become billionaires. But then we go back to the future. We become the like, thing that we hate, but we're rich, so who cares? That's the point, though, dude. Like, that's that's all of art right now. It's like it doesn't even matter. Everything like there's only one natural. Con- all right, like like you know how like at the end of the world, like black holes are just gonna swallow everything. Like mm-hmm. that's the same thing here. Like all noble pursuits get caught in the bullshit of making yeah. money for Disney specifically. Like it's just them. Yeah, I, I can't believe I'm saying this. All this but I'm, money. Well, I'm literally rooting for one of the other big ones. Like, come on, Comcast. Like Universal or, or, Studios. Come on, NBC Universal. You can do this. I think General Who owns Electric Universal. Is it Comcast or is yeah, it G- General Electric? Yeah. Oh, okay. Come on. Yeah, 30, 30, 30 Rock. <laughs> yeah, on, I've God. seen 30 Rock. I'm sorry. <laughs> General Electric, man. That's the best. Yeah, Universal needs some like more franchises, man. What's going on? Universal, Warner Brothers. Is Warner Brothers a part of that conglomerate? No, Warner Brothers Media is... Because they have Harry Potter World uh, in Universal. That's true. So Shit. they've got some sort of partnership, right? Well, hold least. on. But if that's the case, NBC Universal, Universal is owned by General Electric. Yeah, maybe. Maybe Warner Brothers is owned by General Electric. I don't know. Are all movies made by two fucking companies? Yeah, basically. Well, there's, there were, that's, that's why I got so shitty about the Paramount thing and the Fox thing. Like, people were talking about Paramount being bought out by one of the big ones. And I'm like, fucking no. Like, well, why are we shuttering institutions? I don't get this. And it just I right. made me so fucking mad. I'm going to look it up, but that's my point. Like, we're running out of things. So we've, like, yeah. in, in what world have we ever needed a trust buster more? And I'm just like, Teddy Roosevelt, I mean, man. This is why they started United Artists, man. It was to like buck the studio system. We need to do that. Well, what's going on with that? It's like long gone, isn't it? Well, we've got United Artists theaters. I mean, I think they're, they're owned by movies. like Cinemark. <sighs> okay, well that's their not popcorn good. prices are okay. But that's not what that's not what's at stake here. <laughs> we're talking about. Like- <laughs> Like, who gives a shit about creative independence? The popcorn, though. It's well-priced, and it's tasty as fuck. Like, it's a small price to pay for independence. We're united in this, okay? Like, we're artists, mm. we're united in popcorn, and I don't, I don't know what else you need from me here. Oh. United Artists was pretty lit. Like, I think it was started by Charlie Chaplin and a few of the other, like, silent film stars at the time, and it was just, like, a way to you know, allow artists to independently produce passion projects and stuff. That's how it first started. That's actually pretty metal. So they were the A24 and the Annapurna pictures of their day. Mm -hmm. Except that they were the original. (laughs) No, so so Annapurna pictures and fucking A24 are the Charlie Chaplins of today is what I should be saying. How disrespectful that we have to put everything in the guise of like, oh yeah, Charlie Chaplin ripped off Megan Ellison, obviously. (laughs) Fucking hack, (laughs) piece of shit. Megan Ellison. Uh, but yeah um, we're all fucked you know the whales are dying ice caps are melting Disney owns everything Right. they're gonna be uh, kings of the ashes just like Daenerys that's actually a badass part of that title though like if she's like break of chains mother of dragons queen of the ashes that's queen metal ashes. as fuck though like it's so good <laughs> uh, l- hey let me let me switch gears here uh, dead people let's talk about them oh okay uh, so listen uh, corpses yeah well when i went to florida since we last recorded this and so i went to go visit. so i i had previously mentioned toilet monster character in our in in my in this podcast universe okay mm-hmm. so i was very very close with her grandparents and it was mother's day when i went up so i wanted to oh. go visit the grave uh, and they're buried next to each other both of the grandparents uh, oh, that's nice no it was really nice i went there and it was weird and i and i was just thinking how weird it is that people talk to dead people in movies Mm. like that's like like, standing at the grave like yeah it's been five years uh timmy's growing up 
He's a good kid. It's weird. You'd like him. <laughs> like, you, no, you'd... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm fragile. He's also, he's also not a good kid. He's always kicking shins. You think I can't see this son of a bitch? Like, he's clearly he's... doing drugs, like God hard drugs. <laughs> he's lying. He stole money from my wallet. Like, what are we talking about? No, but so like that's that's like this trope you see in every fucking movie, and I never understood that. I'm like, what are you doing? I don't know. Like, I I I, I kind of like I started it, but then I just very quickly got angry at my dead ex or my ex girlfriend's dead grandfather about why the Yankees haven't won, because it's in my mind it's his. <laughs> so fault. you immediately started having an argument with a dead man. I mean, ba- <laughs> basically, I sat there. I'm just like, hey, like you're you picture like set the scene here. You're walking up to the grave. You're like thinking to yourself, like. Man, isn't it so dumb how, like, in the movies, people talk to dead people at graves and stuff? I'm never going to do that. Yo, the fucking Yankees. Well, so what happened was I walked up, and I wasn't thinking how weird it was, but I was thinking that I had never done it. And then I walked up, and I guess uh, uh, the family had been there because they were, like, roses. I'm like, oh, that's really sweet. And so Mm. it was disarming. And, like, I I was just like, oh, it was weird to see your graves. Like, what's going on? I've been in New York. Nueva York. (laughs) Like, like just, like, I don't know, like, starting that conversation, realizing I'm talking to myself. Were you saying this out loud? Like, not not really. I mean, the Yankee thing was definitely out loud. So I feel bad if anyone was walking by at that part. But, like, in the beginning, I was just, I think I said, hey, out loud. And then a lot of it was internalized or whatever. Mm. And then. At some point, I like looked over at at, uh, at my gran- at her grandfather's fucking thing, and he's got like a little like New York thing there, and I'm just like, you know, the fucking Yankees haven't won since you died, guy. What the fuck's that about? Like, literally said that out loud, and then got like visibly angry for a minute because if I'm the asshole and like heaven's totally a thing, this guy's not putting in favors for the Yankees. Like, what the fuck, guy? <laughs> I'm not even. No, this isn't a joke. Don't laugh. I'm genuinely mad. I got is really that angry. is that is that how it works? Like I figure, I figure you go, you go to heaven. Not. You get a lot of pool immediately over like events on Earth. Like, well, most people are going after the important shit. All right, people are going after like earthquakes. Like they got there's got to be two of those a year. Where is it going? There's a lottery for it. You know, heaven's fucked up. But mm. no one's going after sports events because who gives a fuck? You know what I mean? Uh, right. So my grandfather should have done it. Should have got been there. Should have. What if he gets up there and he realizes that deism was the only way forward? Like God, God is just a great watchmaker in the sky. He set them gears a long time ago, and now he's just chilling and not helping the Yankees. It still seems counterproductive Whoa. to who he is. Whatever happens, happens. Like he already set those events in motion at the beginning of the universe. Uh, but that's, that's what Franklin believed. You gonna tell me Franklin was wrong? Yeah, he was wrong about a lot. Franklin has this whole bit where he thought you, he could make farts smell like chocolate. So, I, you know, he's a genius, but let's not give him too much credit. You know, you, you say that now like it's an impossible feat, but I guarantee you some, some genius at some point in time is going to figure that out. Sure. They're going to the solve that, that was, problem. But the fact that he was pitching this 200 years ago is the weird thing. We're like the, the, like the prerequisite. There were like six scientific breakthroughs away before that was even like feasible. <laughs> That that man was sitting there being the genius that he was, and he said he smelled some farts, and he was like, "There's got to be a better way." While representing America during the revolution, by the way, I mean, right? Like we, like to- we don't have indoor plumbing yet, and he's already thinking about how to make farts smell like chocolate. Come on. <laughs> If farts smelled like chocolate, we would be farting in open air all the time. I think that we would just gain the new negative association. I'm reading this really fascinating book <laughs> called, no, it's relative. Stop, stop. Uh, called Thinking Fast and Slow. And what it talks about is like the two types of thinking that we do. There's fast thinking and there's slow thinking. Like mm. the idea that they're divided into these different fucking chapters, right? But associations are the weirdest thing that our brains trick us into. If I right. say uh, vanilla ice cream and then I say vomit, like for a half second, your brain is associated that fucking like the lightness of vanilla ice cream with like the acidity of fucking well, vomit, right? Like you're like, now you fucking ruined vanilla ice cream. It's my favorite good. flavor of ice Saving cream. Saving you from diabetes, boy. All right, you're gonna live forever. No type one for you. Uh, but but the idea is that associations are kind of fucking everything. Uh, so I think eventually we would just associate like chocolate with like fart smell <laughs> i think that's what would happen eventually i think so i mean chocolate is brown it already looks like poop well that's you're getting weird about it i mean like that's not trying to be weird about it i'm just well, saying there's, like there's, if there's we're gonna go there component to the smell of chocolate max like there isn't like you're just i mean you, you associate smells and sights if you see a picture of poop you're gonna think oh stinky 
but see a picture of chocolate, you're going to start thinking stinky if you're already <laughs> associating those things. This fell off the rails, man. I don't know what happened here. It's been a five. Was it ever on the rails? <laughs> Talked for like 30 minutes about all in the family and then went off the rails about Disney. I think those those two are very much related. I was just trying to, mostly I wanted to write <laughs> Trustbuster with you. I thought like it's the film that we need right now. Okay, so Trustbuster, are we are we good with the whole time travel William Randolph Hearst aspect or what what's up? Wait, so hold on. So we don't want to do TR. We wanna we want you so like are we characters in this film in Trustbuster? Yeah. We're playing ourselves. So it's a buddy cop thing. All right. I was thinking I was gonna put you on a solo journey, but all right, so it's both oh, of us. It was just gonna be me. Like yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, on yeah, a solo. Yeah. This is all you guys. Who who plays me? You. Oh. It's, I mean, look, it's cheap. <laughs> it's cheap, and who knows you better than you, Max? I'm sorry. Like, do you think anyone in the world can play Max fucking McCarty? No way, man. It's got to be you. All right. I, th- I figured DJ Qualls could at least pull it off. <laughs> he needs the work, all right? Have you seen him? He already looks like he's missed, like, six meals. Like, we right. got to feed DJ. This is about feeding DJ. <laughs> Hashtag feed DJ. Like, this is what it's all about, man. Yeah, or we could get Justin Timberlake. I've had like three people in the past month tell me I look like Justin Timberlake. This keeps happening. I'm not saying it's true. I disagree with it, but it keeps happening to me. Everyone says that I look like Momoa, which is categorically false because he is like, a, like I, you know, I ain't even gay, but like, yo, break me off a piece of Momoa. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, easy. <laughs> like, but people say that all the time and i'm like like that's better because back in the day like facebook did like which celebrity do you look like <laughs> like you put a picture in to the mm. thing and then it pulls out a picture is it jason mimosa and it was fucking peter jackson <laughs> and i was like what <laughs> like, the director peter jackson and i was like i gotta rethink some some, some, life, some decisions. life like jesus christ <laughs> I mean, he's a snack to somebody, right? He's a married man. He's a snack to himself, man. <laughs> <laughs> Whole world's a snack to him. I mean, I mean, quite Didn't literally. Didn't he lose like 100 pounds and then right. gain it back? Oh, did he gain it back? I hope so. Like, fat Peter Jackson is my I think shit. during the Hobbit movies, he like just went off the rails. Again. Like, gaining the weight, you mean? Yeah. Right. He fell off the old weight loss wagon. I mean, those were monumental tasks. So, yeah. you know, I ain't even hating. I think it would be terrible to be Peter Jackson. At any I'm point. sorry that you got that result as your celebrity. I, it's fucked up, isn't it? Like, you would get like Jason Statham or at the very least a DJ Qualls. Hashtag feed DJ. The- like, you know, we would. <laughs> Jason Statham, DJ Qualls, they're in the same ballpark. I mean, they're in the same sport, is all I'm saying. <laughs> like, they're not the same ballpark. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that, Bubby. Uh... <laughs> Turn my lights on. How the fuck you cry with the mic on? I don't get excited, you Sam Bowie ass niggas. I just get my mic on. Said I wouldn't go nowhere, I took the detour When you see the summer, the crack rock by the seashore When you see them brand new leaf floors on the floor If the cop says my name, bitch, I'm E-Cop I'm 
like Dracula. Suck me first, I might get back at you. Cause that shit glitch is the aperture. Ha 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 ha. I can't laugh at you. It's the shit that make you nervous. About to go buck wild, nigga. Steve Irwin. I see that clearance. I'm on my third one. Niggas talking reckless. I never heard I see it. I don't know what's harder, letting go or just being okay with it.